in a world driven by selfies and social media, where empathy and entrepreneurs are considered contradictory. One podcast has set out to put empathy back in the boardroom by hearing from the best entrepreneurs around the world. Empathize It will hear from the leaders of the digital economy and learn how the soft skills drive their business. This is the Empathize It podcast. Okay, so good afternoon, Ben. How are you? I'm good, thanks. Awesome. So uh, Ben and I met actually on Twitter when he recently shared one of my uh, earlier podcasts, I believe it was podcast number three uh, with Brian Kramer. And he actually said that you've had a, you have a love-hate relationship uh, with uh, Brian Kramer's HJH or human-to-human construct uh, since you encountered it a few years ago. So that spawned my interest and kind of piqued my interest. And I would love to hear from you, Ben. Uh, we'll get kind of later on how, uh, what you do and later on, but I would love to hear how that conversation or why, why, you, why that is such a topic for you, a hot topic for you. Yeah, for sure. Um, so I um, have some experience with B2C marketing, um, but for the most part, I would say my expertise is in B2B. And, um, you know, obviously there's a lot of wisdom uh, to what Brian Kramer has to say about uh, H2H that, um, you know, uh, marketing to people's emotions um you know there's a whole self-service purchasing uh movement happening now in b2b um and even some of the social media channels that were once um considered only for b2c are now um proven to be very effective for b2b as well such as facebook or instagram um but Overall, I would say um, there's just too much um, that's different um, from the way the buyer's cycles go and um, the buyer's journey and all that. It's, it's um, you know, if someone's used to uh, marketing to B to C, um, they would have to learn some new tricks in order to uh, market effectively uh, in the B2B sphere. Um, you know, I'm not, I'm, I'm in no way, a, a Brian Kramer hater. Um, I think he has a lot, uh, a lot of wisdom, a lot to share, a lot to add to the conversation. Um, uh, but yeah, just for the sake of drama, I, I want to, <laughs> I, th- well, I think I it like, could be I fun like... to say, yeah, you know, <laughs> We all like drama a little bit. Why uh, not say, yeah, I'm anti-age to age, let's okay. say. Okay, um, for the sake of drama, that's a good, that's a good reason. Um, but yeah. there's, a, there's a difference in the journey. And we all, I mean, every, anyone yeah. in marketing uh, has, knows the difference in some ways between uh, marketing in B2B and marketing in B2C. And where your experience, since you're more in the B2B space, where, and you said it kind of gave a quick hint to it in terms of the buyer circle and buyer journey. Where would you, mm-hmm. how would you differentiate between the B2B and the B2C space in terms of uh, the distinction? Where, where would you make that distinction so that way people who are, you know, you know let's call it the, uh, they're minded to the HTH model, which is, you know, I, I, I can hear where you're coming from. What, where would you say is, sorry about the background noise, uh, I'm in a co-working space, so that always love, uh, gets that. Um, so I'm going to turn, I'll do it when you get the response, but 
where would you be to put the distinctions in terms of B2B versus B2C in terms of the, uh, this construct that you mentioned? Yeah. Um, so first of all, the biggest part of it is that uh, generally there are bigger, it's a, it's, it, there's more uh, big, bigger price tags. There's, there's more spending involved with B2B. Um, so yeah, there might be certain sectors like real estate or, or automobiles um, in B2C that involve nicely high price tags. Um, but for the most part, um, a, a lot of good B2B marketing can um, kind of play up to the impulse buy factor. Um, you know, treat yourself uh, or treat yourself, as they say in uh, parks and recreation. Um, yeah, um, you know, it, it, a, a small enough purchase doesn't require the same kind of consideration. And today, with so much emphasis in the business world on uh, ROI, when a, a B2B buyer um, wants to make a purchase, they need to be able to prove that it's going to be an ROI-positive purchase for their organization, which doesn't at all come into play um, in, the, in the B2C sector. Um, so, yeah, with, with uh, you know, and then we have so much scrutiny now in, uh, in B2B that, um, you know, you not only have to give your buyer um, documentation and a paper trail and case studies that, that, um, that you know, they feel like they're, uh, they're covered, you know, that they're, they're going to stand up to the scrutiny. They also, uh, there's also this phenomenon of the growing um, buyers committees. So, um, and this has been documented. Um, I think Gartner had a big study about this that, uh, you know, it used to be an executive, um, you know, you uh, built a good relationship with a vendor and, and they might just go ahead and uh, make a purchase. But now um, it's so much more complicated that we have junior employees uh, researching options um, and then they might report to a department manager who is going to be um, using the solution um, on an operational level. And then that person might have to convince um, a senior executive. And then, um, you know, that person might have to coordinate with um, the finance department to take care of the payments. So there's all these stakeholders um, now involved in the B2B funnel um, that didn't exist before and um, that don't exist in, uh, in B2C. Um, you mentioned now, you're, you're mentioning this, this shift in terms of like the, like you said, originally people would, you know, one person would be in charge of purchasing or like, you know, he would, so he would be the, the traditional, what we'll call the traditional H to H model where, you know, one person knows one person in the same, in, the, in that whatever product they need or whatever solution they need. He says, oh, I know the person in there. He buys the product from them. And then that's where we'll call traditional H to H kind of comes to play. And now you're saying is there's a huge, you know, committee or group of people who are really responsible from the junior level all the way up to the senior executive level who are responsible for the purchase of whatever solution is obviously because of the large budget and because of the scrutiny, but is there still some room or is there 
any way to put into that factor the human factor meaning saying is if you and i work together in a business and i say is i know the person who offers me i know a pos solution uh so that introduction already kind of softens the conversation and maybe maybe at the end of the day the you know point of sale solution might not be the right one but at least the introduction is there and then so there is that human factor definitely and you know i would say um you know, if we just look at the words human to human, we would say we could even say that that's an even bigger factor in B2B than B2C. You know, there a lot of relationships are involved. And then, you know, let, let's say one, you know, you're. Right, so are, you, are you changing your mind now? No, I'm just kidding. Kidding. <laughs> <laughs> kidding. Yeah. Just, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So, you know, if, if we if we say that, uh, you know, let's say a vendor passes through all of the, you know, all of the different stages of the, the consideration and then, um, you know, finally um, um, the buyer reaches the end of the, the nurture funnel and they make their first purchase. So then what you have is, um, it, you know, it might be a success manager or it might be a um, might be an account manager any number of ways they can structure this, but there's going to be a person, um, a, a primary point of contact on the vendor's side who's going to be hopefully continuing to strengthen um, a proper human-to-human relationship um, on the buyer's side. And, and that will hopefully, you know, they'll be invested in each other's success and will continue. Whereas in... B to C, yeah, you have this human aspect where you know there's a lot, a lot more emotions coming to play and things like that. But there isn't really a human as much um, on the vendor side. You know, um, you know, w- with consumer packaged goods in particular, um, you know, people want to have an emotional connection to the brands that they associate themselves with. It, it, they want it. They want the, their brand loyalties to. Um, be expressions of their identities, you know, um, uh, I can give any number of examples, but, you know, uh, Nike, let's say, you know, is uh, sports performance, you know, so um, I'm an athlete, I'm, uh, I'm a go-getter, just do it, you know, that, that sort of thing. What does that say about me that I'm wearing the swoosh? Right. Um, and I use the word me very loosely here. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, uh, but, but the person who feels an emotional connection to Nike, they don't feel an emotional connection to Nike's CEO, or they, they don't have, uh, the same kind of, you know, human on the other side that someone in B2B would. So, so you're saying is that when in the B2C space, people are really looking to forge that. I mean, that's what the, we'll call it the marketing teams are really trying to create that bridge between the brand and the association between the brand and the person, the consumer, and in B2B, and more, let's call it more the, uh, they'll call it traditional business setting, people are less associated with that kind of, um, you know, they're not looking to necessarily put, associate themselves with that brand or with that um, experience, which would be much more of a B2C play. Um, yes, although <laughs> that, that is what I'm saying, but it's, it's more nuanced than that. Um, really, you know, the point I was making a minute ago was that, you know, you actually have a human connection, a human relationship, someone representing the brand to you in, in B2B that you don't in B2C. Uh, but, okay. um, but you do have, um, you know, 
certain amount of emotional attachment to the brands you use. And I think some of the better B2B brands, especially some of these uh, SaaS tools, um, are, are very good at, um, you know, um, creating these kinds of brand identities that people want to identify with. Um, and, you know, this is another important thing that speaks to the, the complex buyer's journey and the, the buyer's committees in B2B today. Um, each of these people that you have to sell to um, has their own goals. And it's not just maximizing ROI and it's not just um, avoiding scrutiny. Um, you know, they, they want to look good to their bosses. Um, they want to, they want to achieve whatever they need to achieve in their own careers. Um, so it, it's also not just what the product or the service does for them. Um, it's not just addressing their the specific pain points that your, your solution, uh, hopefully helps to solve. So, um, yeah, a lot of the emotional aspects, uh, you know, and what the brand does for that definitely should come into play with uh, B2B. So what I'm understanding is that perhaps the human connection, even though you're right, the you know, the person doesn't buy from a person, which was, oh, that was like the traditional statement was like, you know, people from people. You're now saying is that it's, it's not that people buy from people anymore, but it's much more that people, you know, the consumer, whether in, especially in the B2B, are really trying to forge that they want to, you know, um, they want that human connection to know that it's not just a, you know, a foreign kind of uh, solution, but rather they want to be kind of humanized in terms of what the, the brand actually does. Meaning, like, like you said, the SaaS tools are very good at, like, you know, any SaaS tool we can think of is good at creating a brand identity. And that means that the consumer that they have, the customer they have is actually really good at, um, you know, they're actually good at br bridging that gap. So it's not necessarily, they're humanizing that brand in a way that's much more uh, interesting and engaging. Yep. Yep. Definitely but with, agree. But, but with that, but with that, you're saying is there's a much more complex, I mean, it's not only you, but it's a much more complex scenario in terms of the buyer's journey and making sure that you understand who the person is and the personas behind each, uh, you know, customer, et cetera. So that way you're not just, I mean, you know, it's, it's a series of, it's, it's much more complex in comparison to the B2C. Yep. hundred percent. Uh, would, um, would, would you be able to give an example of something that you, you know, you experienced or somehow an example of a company, a SaaS company that does it well or a SaaS company that you've seen, worked with or written about, uh, which we'll get to in a second, um, that, you, that you said is like, wow, they really understand it? Um, yeah, I think um, Buffer is, you know, and they're, they're often uh, cited as examples um, in these cases, but they're very good at um, you know, kind of building this kind of, um, brand that's bigger than the tool. Um, you know, their, their blog is one of the, the most authoritative, um, marketing blogs on the internet. Um, um you see people with buffer stickers on their laptops. Mm -hmm. Um, they have, you know, very attentive, um, community, uh, engagement. There's a really cool Slack community that I, that I dabble in every now and then, um, with really lively discussions. Um, they have, you know, when, when there's support, 
uh, Twitter account, replies, it's always with um, the representatives, initials, so you, you even get that human aspect as well. Um, so yeah, I think they're, they're one of the ones that really nail it in terms of um, the brand being bigger than the actual solution. And what would you think? What would you think a, co- a company who's trying to like reshape itself or reposition itself would need to kind of put that into place? In other words, you're you're giving a good example. I, I love buffers. You know, they have the buffer chats that they used to have that I used to participate in, mm-hmm. and their Slack community and their marketing and everything is. You're right. But now let's say a company who's not necessarily on that. They're not in there yet. They're not there yet. They're trying to get there. What would you kind of say is the are the tools or the not solutions but tools in terms of what they need to approach or how they should approach it to get to that point or slowly integrate to that point? Yeah, that's a really good question um, from kind of a messaging strategy perspective. Um, you know, you're kind of taking the discussion to the next level here. And <laughs> I think uh, my answer, I hope it won't be too in line with what uh, Brian Kramer would say. <laughs> uh, but yeah, basically, I think it comes down to really what's your core mission, your core value proposition? What are you, um, what, what does your solution unlock for the people who need it most? What does it help them feel? Um, you know, if it's like bringing uh, order to the chaos or if it's, um, you know, helping them skip a million steps that they find themselves doing over and over and that feeling of delight when you finally get to skip it. Um, Whatever it is, find find that real kind of, um, um, you know, the real distilled in its purest form, um, the emotional, um, you know, uplift that someone feels when when they're using your solution and then, kind of build, build all your messaging around that. That would be my recommendation. And for, in order to get that, that would probably be coming back to where the user da- data, in other words, what the users are doing in terms of your solution, what they're doing, how they're using it, and maybe even in, interacting with them or engaging them in terms of your customer support, your, your product team, your marketing team, your social team, and getting the information from, from the customers themselves to understand how they're using your solution to really, if you don't know it internally, maybe your customers could actually be the, give you the answer and give you the, the, the solutions and tell you the, and the points and the words and the, you know, lexicon that you should be using. Yeah. Yeah. I agree a hundred percent. Um, you know, a lot of that type of research can be done even before you go to market, right. you can, uh, you know, you can uh, buy survey responses, um, to really learn, you know, what, uh, users of certain existing, platforms are still struggling with and what they wish uh, they could achieve in better ways. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's a whole, you know, especially in SaaS, there's a, a, a huge movement now to, to really invest a lot in um, qualitative research and do a lot of customer interviews. And um, yeah, there's a lot of great content out there uh, mapping out that process and, you know, what, how to do it and what to listen for, how to identify the best people to ask to participate, um, what to ask them, what to do with the information after. Um, yeah, it's a huge, huge thing. So now that we've, now that you've kind of taken this kind of like um, deconstructed human to human 
by B2C and B2B, and you kind of explain how you know, there are differences and the, the kind of the nuances. Let's go back a step and say, is who is Ben Jacobson? Uh, what does he do on a day-to-day? What does he really like? I, I see that you're an author on the next web uh, in marketing land, so that's clearly someone who's like, you know, a published uh, journalist. So what do you write about generally in terms of the, um, the content that you present to, to those major publications? Um, yeah, I mostly write about marketing strategy. Um, um, I would say I specialize in content marketing. Um, so um, um, a lot of, you know, how, how companies should be managing their own blogs um, and um, how they should be uh, managing their offsite activity, um, stuff like that. Um, I also have some good experience in social media and uh, email marketing. Um, and yeah, in terms of day to day, I, I work with um, a lot of different companies around the world, um, mostly in the B2B SaaS sphere, as, as you might have gathered from, mm-hmm. uh, from the conversation to this point. Okay. And so the, t- the companies that you work with are, um, they're SaaS companies, and do they all get this or you're slowly getting them to understand this kind of concept that, you know, that the business to business platforms need to really, uh, you know, let's put this, let take a step back. The companies that I usually work with or the, mm-hmm. you know, are, are people that, you know, I speak to in terms of colleagues and professionals, they always say is that even though they all say they want to get to that interaction on the customer level, there, mm-hmm. they see this, there's this barrier between saying is yes, we want to get to there, but then when they actually want to try to execute that or if they want to try to integrate that into their actual day-to-day social media content, uh, whatever, engagement with their audience and community, somehow there's just uh, like a gap. Uh, even though they all say we want to be much more human, we want to be relatable, we want to use social media to, as a tools to connect with them, somehow there's a gap. Um, is that where you, that, that's where you come in to kind of help them bridge that gap and help them put that back together? Um, yeah, yeah, you could frame it like that, definitely. Um, but I would say mostly from, from a content strategy perspective. But yeah, um, to try to help them to optimize their messaging and, and its various uh, iterations on different channels. And are there any channels that you prefer using uh, for companies or ones that you recommend more over others? Um, not really. I mean, I, I really think that, um, you know, all the ones that everybody always says are, uh, are, are, you know, they're all pretty important. You need, um, you need your own, your owned media, um, earned, um, paid. What's the, it's the, uh, the peso model yeah. as, uh, as, uh, popularized, um, by the spin sucks blog, um, which I'm a big fan of. Um, what is it? Paid, earned, uh, search. Yeah. Maybe. search no? S O. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. Paid, earned, search. Yeah. Paid, earned, search. Yeah. Shared. That's what it oh, is. Shared. shared. Okay. Right. Yeah. And owned. Yeah. Right. So yeah. But yes, you need, you need SEO. You need good onsite content. Um, you need a good footprint elsewhere on social channels. Um, where you can be found and you need to be where your audience is in terms of other publications as well. And for someone who's trying for companies or industries that are trying to kind of position themselves and they're trying to get themselves uh, exposure besides being, you know, paid media, which is very easy to do. 
what would be the best way to get them started off on the earned media if it's platform in terms of like getting content out there in terms of the right industry platforms, the right industry publications? What would you recommend? Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, for that, I would recommend um, kind of thinking outside the box in terms of um, influencer marketing. Um, so influencer marketing has been around uh, forever, quote unquote. Mm -hmm. um, um, but I would say the last two years or so, it's kind of the, the term influencer marketing has been used to refer basically to uh, sponsored uh, posts on Instagram or Facebook or Snapchat, where um, usually a B2C influencer kind of endorses the product. Um, so, yeah, I, I would recommend kind of um, figuring out who the influencers in your niche are and, and figure out what um, what you can do to help them and and slowly build a relationship with them and um, the more you help help them the more they notice you the more they're gonna want to help you um, and that could be um, connecting you to other people or it could be publishing content that mentions you it could be any number of things that um, um, cause I'm not a big fan of, uh, kind of spam pitching. Um, I think, you know, although there are some very effective ways to kind of cold pitch people on a scalable manner, um, via email, um, I would say overall kind of spray and pray tactics are, uh, are old hat. Mm-hmm. So you, you're mentioning that the, the brand should be reaching out to the influencers in their niche, which is right. And then all of a sudden we're flipping it back to the conversation, which is really that the, the brand is turning himself back into a human being or the person behind the brand. And he has to connect to a human being who is the influencer. And now that influencer has to say is how he's going to, how he connected, how he related to that brand in a, in a way that's kind of back to the original part of our conversation, which is that the brands and the SaaS, a lot of these big companies or these, you know, SaaS uh, solutions or whatever it is, is trying to, put that human effort back into it. So it seems like there's a, some sort of like, you know, reverse relationship. You know, sometimes it used to be that the, you know, many influencers or many people who are looking to, they're trying to reach the buffers, the, you know, these big solutions because they want to, you know, either they want to write about them or pe be featured. And all of a sudden now the, the, the blog or the company is doing the opposite and reaching out to them so that way they can get exposure on their sites. Um, yeah, although I think, you know, it's, uh, I don't know. I think the way you characterize that is a little bit misleading because, you know, um, in the situation where it's an established brand, so then uh, people basically, um, you know, like this concept, uh, quote unquote, marrying up, right? Yeah. So you want to, there's, the, uh, there's the lesser brand and the greater brand. So, right. you know, in some cases there's the, there's the vendor, um, that is looking to leverage the big personal brand of the influencer. And in other cases, you have um, the aspiring influencer, let's say, or the person who's, you know, trying to, in a, in a roundabout way, um, promote their product through their personal brand, um, um, reaching up to a brand blog. Right. Okay. 
and, and would you and since you've worked with brands and established brands on a global scale, when when reaching out to these influencers, and you obviously let's say you've identified the right people, you know who they are, you know what they're looking, what the outputs that you're expecting. Is there is there where you uh, what insights do you give to people who are, you know, working with brands or on the brand side or on the uh, you know influencer side? How would they make sure that their both sides are getting the right outputs correctly? Is there some sort of uh, tips or uh, insights that you can give? Um, I don't really have any global, globally applicable advice um, when it comes to that because there's so many nuances that are different in every situation. Um, it really depends on what you're looking to get out of the relationship. Um, but yeah, um, you know, but, but I do think it makes sense to always be asking yourself why, um, you know, what, what are you, what are you after here and, and how will that help you? Um, so yeah, I mean, you know, it, you might be able to reach someone who helps you to drive massive amounts of traffic, but, um, for whatever reason, the traffic isn't converting. Um, so yeah, that, that would not be, that would not be helpful. Okay. Um, so we've, we've, we've talked about human to human. We've talked about B2B, B2C. We've talked about what you do in terms of your global uh, clients. What else does, uh, you know, what else, what else do you, does Ben uh, Jacobson do on a, you know, in terms of contribution to the global marketing community? Any speaking or, um, you know? Um, no, but uh, yeah, I was in one other one before. Okay. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm part of some Slack communities. Um, I try to engage with people on Twitter. Um, and yeah, my, my guest blogging is kind of sharing um, the things I've learned over the years. I'd say and those, are, what, those what, are the biggest what, ways I'm giving okay. back. And what, what, when you're talking about guest blogging and content writing, what are the, you know, what, what are the things that you've you know, picked up on or trends that you've picked up on in terms of marketing and content marketing over the last couple of years? Uh, where you've gained the insights worth working with these clients and you said like, wow, these things need to be spoken about. Um, so I think when it comes to putting together um, kind of, a, you know, we, we could say guest blogging as a type of earned media. So when you're putting together an earned media strategy, I think it's important to kind of map things um, to your funnel um, stages and um you know, I think you need to address the pain points um, that that your prospects are experiencing throughout their journey, um, and that's that's one thing that uh, that I've seen um, some good impact with in the last couple of years. Um, so, you know, start starting at the top of the funnel with very kind of uh, light messaging and, and, you know, keeping it much more about, about um, the value to the reader um, and, you know, just with, with the objective of getting people to be aware of your brand and associate you with valuable advice and then going all the way to the bottom of the funnel where, um, you know, and obviously this would be um, very different article types and very different publication types, but um, you know, very kind of tactical, uh, product-oriented content that um, whether it's product reviews or walkthroughs or how to achieve certain things with your product, um, 
that stuff can be can be very effective as well. So yeah, map, mapping it all to the funnel and making sure it's all covered. Uh, so that's that's actually very in insightful. Are there any what, what have you covered recently on your articles that you like say, you know, this is you know that you, that you saw that people are really responding positively to besides mapping out an earned media strategy, which I really like that idea of taking it to the next level. We're saying is let's match the earned media because a lot of people will just say is I just want to get you know featured on X Y and Z paper or, or journal or whatever it is or publication. Mm -hmm. But you're you're saying is let's map it out. To let's take it back one step and say. Is, if we want to get to that place, let's get it to the right. We can get there, assuming that we, everything is correct. We can get there, but let's make sure that the story matches where we want people to get to, and the right audience is on that publication. So that way, we're not just talking about you know just generic content, but rather we're giving something that matches that profile of publication, which I think is awesome. I think it's a great idea. What have you you know recently talked, spoken about, or written about that you say is like I think is really important to share this with the marketing community? besides the earned media problem. Um, yeah, so I think, you know, one of the things you said just now was about, um, you know, the audience of the publication and, and matching the messaging to that. Um, I think that's super important. But another thing to remember is that um, content discovery has changed a lot. Um, that, you know, obviously everyone talks about um, the Facebook um you know, zero reach, uh, organic reach for brands and, um, you know, um, un unpaid right. uh, reach there and, and, you know, different channels that you can maybe do better on and things like that. Um, but basically, you know, a, a lot of the even top publications, you, you might be shocked um, to see kind of the view counts and some of them even publish them on the article pages. So... Um, what I like to tell clients is that um, the the article it can be used kind of as um, sales enablement ammunition. That it's not um, just you know in the same way people say with um, with owned media, right? If publishing stuff on your own blog, um, if you build it, um, they still might not come. Uh, so you know, and, and you have to invest in distribution. Um, it's a good idea to do that with earned media as well. Um, and then to do other things that kind of uh, maximize the impact of your earned media. Um, you know, you, you can have um, as seen on logos right. on your uh, on your homepage. Um, you know, definitely, um, definitely post on social media and possibly even um, you know, buy some, buy some uh, promoted posts on social media, uh, promoting the articles. Um, Maybe breaking, uh, including in your nurture nice. funnels, I think is, uh, I think is a great one. I also think it's, you know, breaking it down into, you know, you write a top level piece. Considering you, then you can, um, then you can say, okay, well, you know, just wanted you to know, we, we were just mentioned in this publication, thought you might want to check it out. Um, so that, that can be very um, so let's see we've talked about H to H we've talked about B2B B2C we've talked about uh, earned media spots which I think I, I like that idea and I've, I've talked about the you know your insights are really strong I'm surprised that you don't do this more often in terms of the content you know your sharing of information uh, but I guess that's just a product of you being uh, super busy with all your global clients which is great um, what else does uh, Ben Jacobson do uh, to uh, be, besides being a professional marketer or you know, consultant to market as a mar marketing consultant. 
Um, yeah, professionally, that, that's about it. I'm, I'm, uh, I work way too many hours. So I'm, uh, I've become kind of a one-dimensional guy, um, but I do have a bit of a home life. Um, got three little ones and a beautiful wife. And uh, yeah, that's about it. Okay. Now I have one last question. I always ask like this question. Um, maybe we kind of, we kind of birched up, uh, mentioned a little bit, but um, the f- topic of this blog, this, this podcast, is really about empathy and entrepreneurship, and you know, people understanding who their audience is and how the soft skills a lot of times get kind of taken, you know, sec- they kind of either get ignored or they don't get the right attention for whatever reason, either in, as an entrepreneur or even within the big business. What, uh, if anything, do you uh, see as an important step for entrepreneurs or even people working in the you know day-to-day business life would be important in terms of the skills of, I call it this quote unquote softer skills that they should learn or they should be understanding better to be more effective in their um, marketing their you know their, their positions um, so basically what what can people do to keep their soft skills sharp yeah what can they do, what can they do and how important are they to have in, in terms of growing their own per- professional or either personal business or their own professional you know, career? Um, yeah, good question. I, I guess maybe participating in communities. Um, if it's Twitter chats like you talked about or, um, or, or Slack communities um, or Facebook groups are now um, the hottest thing. I don't know how it's going on LinkedIn with their whole reboot of groups. Yeah. Um, they, they were, they used to be awesome and I would love for them to be awesome again. Um, but yeah, I think that's really good in terms of kind of, um, gaining an understanding of how, how to, how to give advice and participate and give people what they've asked for, um, without it necessarily directly benefiting you or coming back to what you're after, um, and kind of building relationships that way. And, um, um, yeah, yeah, I guess that's pretty much it. Okay. Um, so now Ben Jacobson, I saw, we, we met on Twitter. What other social media platforms are you active on that? You're like, okay, if I, if someone reaches out to me or wants to hear more about the products, the things you do, or the, the, the services you offer, and or wants to read some of your content, where would be the best places to find it? Find you. Um, yeah, definitely. Twitter is the channel that I'm on most. Um, I know a lot of people are Twitter haters, but um, I guess if, you're, if your audience is into marketing, then they're probably less likely to be Twitter haters. Oh. I don't know. I remember seeing some metrics that... Uh, Marketers are among the most uh, active people on Twitter. Um, Marketers and journalists and media people. Um, And yeah, LinkedIn, I I like a lot as well. Awesome. Well, Ben, thank you so much for your time. I really, I think I learned a lot about how you kind of, kind of take apart what Brian Kramer said with respect to him in terms of doing it respectfully without taking completely blowing it out of the water, but at the same time, understand that there are these nuances that are, and distinctions between B2B, B2C, and, you know, the human to human relations that always plays a factor. So that was awesome. Thank you so much, Ben. All right. Thank you, Mordecai. 
Be sure to sign up for the podcast on iTunes and Stitcher. And remember, the next time you're doing business in the digital economy, make sure to empathize it.